The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. And bringing the word to us this morning is someone that is very, 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 special. He is, I mean, he and his family, they are so special to us, my father. And and he gives everybody a nickname. You know, it's just amazing. You know, and he's, he's always laughing, you know. And um, you see, but above all for me, like I said in first watch experience, you, you never know the people that are standing with you until the day of battle. It is when you need to go to war, that's when you know who is standing with you or who is not standing with you, you know. Um, he, God has really used him to strengthen us and encourage us and stand with us at we fought different, you know, <laughs> battles together, as it were, you know. And, and he's such an amazing, amazing man of God. He, he pastors um, the Mercy Place Assembly. So let's pray together for the Lord Jesus as we welcome Pastor Sheye Kusoko to bring the word of God to us. Let's clap, let's clap, let's clap, let's clap, let's clap, let's clap. Praise the name of the Lord. <laughs> I'm always giving people nicknames. But I took the cue from somebody. And that person is here. The one and only Reverend Colin. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. I'm so blessed to be here today. It was one of my bosses in Citibank and one of the people that helped me to settle into Christianity. Because it was while I was there that I became a Christian. And they were the ones that really, really led us then. Although then I used to look and say, what is this man always? Well, now I think I have an idea. Praise the Lord. So, whatever I call it, thank you. God bless you. He's the one that always gives everybody the... So I took the cue from him. As for Pastor Femi, as I said in the first worship experience. So it's true, we fought many battles. But really, the truth is that he's the one that God used to set me up into pastoring as a parish pastor. Because the day we were being sent out, it was the one that prayed and laid hands. And so, when we started, of course, it was the one I used to run to, to get templates, to get how things work. Because I was just an head usher, and I was always used to being in the background, not being in the front and preaching. So I had to learn from him and take a lot of And from time to time, I still consult him. Thank God he doesn't charge me. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. You know, like I said in the first worship experience, as they say, if you want to go to heaven or you desire to be on the journey to heaven and you want a man of God to follow, Pastor Femi is one such man. Praise the name of the Lord. In these times that we are in, with many false prophets and false teachings, such men are hard to come by. And so, we must learn to appreciate and treasure. Sometimes, the word they bring is not palatable. But then, 
we must quit ourselves as hard workmen and be able to take it and the Lord will help us in the name of Jesus Jesus something special supernatural about your name Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Jesus is the word of God that was with God, with whom the world was made. Jesus is the word of God that became life, and that life, the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness can never overcome it. Name of Jesus, strong town, a place of hiding, a place of defense, a place of refuge. Jesus holds the keys of death and hell. The one that says, according to the greatness of his power, he preserves those that are appointed to die. The Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. The one that holds the key of David opens a door that no man can shut. Shuts a door no man can open. And set before us an open door. The ancient of days, the beginning of the creation of God. Worship in this Reverence. Jesus, the Son of God. The Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the earth were laid. We worship in this We reverence your holy. Thank you for loving us so much. That you came to earth, endured the cross and the shame and the pain. Died that we may be free. Thank you. Thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit. We are grateful. Thank you. Thank you for your love that is shared abroad our hearts. Thank you for the grace of salvation. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Yes. Every time we mention the name of Jesus, so much happens. No other name like the name of Jesus. Lord Jesus, we worship you. We reverence you. Thank you for loving us so much. Thank you for offering yourself on our behalf. Thank you for obeying the Father. He went unto death. He went the shameful death of the cross. Thank you for going that we may have the Holy Spirit. We are grateful. Accept our prayers in the matchless name of Jesus. Lord, today we want to go into your word. We ask that you open our hearts. You open the eyes of our understanding that in hearing we may hear, in seeing we may see, and our hearts may receive 
illumination, Lord. Today, Lord, we ask for grace, uncommon grace, the grace to forgive offenses, the grace, Almighty God, to lift our eyes unto you in spite of what is happening around and to trust in you. This we ask in the name that is above all names, the name of Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. Thank you very much, choir. Please be seated. I want to share with us a message titled Offenses, the pain of Sarah. Offenses, an hyphen, a dash, and then the pain of Sarah. It's a story that we all know very well. Abraham, it was Abraham then. He and his wife he went out and then he got to a place and he said she was his sister. There are three texts that I want to take. Let me quickly take this text first. Luke 17. We took verses 7 and 10 in the first worship experience. We're taking one, and f- 1 to 4 in this. Then said he unto the disciples, It is impossible but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he cast into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves if thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt Forgive him. And of course, we know the <laughs> exclamations of the disciples after that. Ah, this 70 times 7, you will need to increase our faith. The Lord will increase our faith in the name of Jesus. The second test is Romans 5, verse 5. It tells us that the love of God is shed abroad our hearts says, and hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given to us. And then our main text is Genesis 12, 14 to 20 where we find the story of Abraham, Abraham and Sarai. From verse 14. And it came to pass that when Abraham was coming to Egypt, the Egyptians, the Egyptians beheld the woman that she was very fair. The princes also of Pharaoh saw her and commended her before Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And he entreated Abraham well for her sake. And he had sheep and oxen and asses and men servants and men servants and she asses and camels. And the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abraham's wife. And Pharaoh called Abraham and said, What is this that thou hast done unto me? Why didst thou not tell me that she was thy wife? Why seest thou she is my sister? So I might have taken her to me to wife. Now therefore behold thy wife, take her and go thy way. And Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him. And they sent him away 
and his wife and all that he had. The Lord bless the reading of his word. So, Romans 5 says, God has shared his love abroad our hearts by the Holy Spirit. It is a gift of grace to us. And without the grace of God, many things in this Christian work will be difficult. And that's why we need to understand the place of grace and to be able to ask for the grace of God to be able to discharge our responsibilities as Christians. So we see the story here. Sarai married to Abraham. Must have loved him very much because they went out together. So Abraham loved Sarai. Sarai loved Abraham. She followed him out when he was called out. Genesis 12, verse 1. I imagine the conversation she must have had. <laughs> you say you had a message that you should go. Okay. Who gave you the message? <laughs> God. Where, who is he? Where is he? Where are we going? I don't know. Ah, are you out of your mind? Which route are we going to take? I don't know. He just said, we should go. I'm not sure there are many women these days that <laughs> will follow. If I were a woman, I'm not sure I would just follow that kind of... I mean, if you don't know where you are going, it's okay. Don't come and put me into additional trouble. It's bad enough that you don't know. So carry me along. <laughs> and as Yorubas will say, we are supposed to get together to become wise, not to become foolish. I shouldn't join you in that foolishness. <laughs> so, but she did follow him, which is an expression of her love. Now, by the time they were going out, they had been married for some time. Because as we see in Genesis 11 verse 30, the Bible was describing Abraham's line and his family. And it says, but Sarai was barren. She had no child. So, before she went out with this man on this journey to the unknown, she must have endured a lot of pain, a lot of ridicule. Because when you see the line, other people had children. But she was barren. And she was advancing in age. So she must have endured a lot of this and still followed her husband out. And so, Abraham then went with this woman. And the first place they got to in Egypt, what Abraham did was that, you know, a very pretty woman. I don't know these kind of people that are here. What you are going to do for me so that they don't kill me. Just tell them that you are my sister. What kind of man is that? That's why I love this Bible. God always puts the picture. So you see everybody. Even though we men, we like to you know, whitewash everything. God puts everything in all its glory in his word. Abraham was a self. Abraham was a selfish and self-centered man. He was primarily concerned only with himself, with the safety 
with his own well-being. It's, it's not me. You are looking at me. Am I the one? He said, <laughs> I know he's the father of faith. But it doesn't mean that he wasn't selfish and self-centered. Somebody that suffered, that followed you, that did everything. And the first sign of trouble, the first thing you will be concerned with was yourself. Very selfish, very self-centered. He was willing to trade her for his own safety. And so the question, what kind of love is that? How can somebody have endured so much shame, so much ridicule, and then followed you out and done all of those things, and then at the first sign of trouble, you will offer all up? I want you to picture it and begin to think in your mind. If you were in her shoes, how would you feel? And I want you to go further and picture possibly just the 24 hours she probably stayed in the house of Pharaoh. So, he said the princess saw her and they took her in and married her off to Pharaoh. And of course, in, as in, I'm sure they were preparing her for Pharaoh in the evening. And I want you to put yourself in her shoe. It doesn't matter whether you're a man or a woman. I want you to put yourself in the shoes of Sarai. She had become the concubine of Pharaoh. What thoughts were going through her mind? I had some idea of some, some which I put down here. I'm sure with your sanctified imagination, you can imagine some more. Her own husband, who said he loved her, professing love, everything, offering her up to another man. All her suffering, all the ridicule, the things she's endured, she's entered into his house. How they make fun of her, that she was a man, married to another man, as in, she was barren. You know, these things happen. It's the reality of life. All of that, and then going out with him, without knowing what the future held, did all of this mean nothing to him? So that at the first sign of trouble, he will give her up. He offered her to another man. What sense of betrayal she must have felt. Did she really mean anything to him at all? Because if she meant just anything, he can't easily just offer up like that. Could, she, could he not endure anything for her? You know, all of that one, maybe earlier in the day. By the time it was getting to evening, he will enter another gear. When Pharaoh comes, how will I empty, I mean, show him my nakedness? Another man touching me. How can another man violate me? Is this all I get as repayment for my loyalty, for my love? She must have had a bit of trepidation. A sense that she would be violated. It means that her husband was whittling to put her through all of that. Just so that he 
will live. Was willing for another man to sleep with her and to violate her. I thought that she might have thought about committing suicide rather than me to endure this shame or let me go kill myself. Probably there wasn't any opportunity for her to do that. And imagining all of this going through her mind. So, the question is, what kept Sarai through this experience? My answer is that only the grace of God must have kept her through this experience. But that was the first part. So, God intervened and God told Pharaoh, that you're a dead man. That man, don't touch that man's wife. And so he went said, you this man, why do you want to put me in trouble? Just carry all your wahala and go. And so, that moment when she's released to Abraham, what does she do? And Abraham says, darling Sarai, I love you. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I think I'll pack a punch. <laughs> uh, I believe that Abraham, as he was then, will miss some teeth <laughs> if it was me. But you know, you guys are holier and uh, more grace. But what I want you to see is how does she react? All she held there in the relationship and in a love, everything in that time had been betrayed. And had been exposed in his rawness as it were. And this man says, well, yeah, let's go. How does she sit in the same tent with him? When he now comes to meet with her later, how does she give herself to her husband? A man who just a few hours ago or a few days ago was willing for another person to violate me. How could she relate to her husband? Could she trust him again? But then something must have kicked in the grace of God. Because she was able to forgive him, endure the pain and the betrayal. Because we saw from here that they went away again. How was that possible? Romans 8 35 to 39. What can separate us from the love? of God. See, if you have the love of God in your heart, the grace to do right by God in any situation will arise. Look at all the circumstances they put there. Each one of them is enough to destroy anybody. But they're saying all of those must not interfere with the love of God in our heart. And on the reverse is that this is how much God loves us that will die for us. And so what would any man do that will cause us to offend God or to be taken in by the offense? I believe that is what this story is telling us. The pain that Sarah felt that the pain that Sarah endured the pain and the thought that must have gone through our mind. 
So the grace of God kicked in. She was able to patch things up and she began to go on. And then this man did it again. <laughs> Before that, she had suggested to him that she should sleep with her house girl. And the man quickly agreed. <laughs> I mean, this woman has suffered so much. Everything. But you see, between the first and the second incident, something had happened to Sarai. Sarai had come to know this God that Abraham served. Brethren, you and I must know this God. Not through another person, but through a personal relationship. You must know God on his terms for yourself. You must have an individual personal relationship. It mustn't just be a matter of head knowledge or through the experience of others. It must be a matter of your personal knowing that this God is who he says he is and that he will do whatever he says he will do. By the second time it was happening, Sarai had come to know this God that Abraham served. She had come to know him for herself. The truth about this is that most of us are not unlike Abraham. We are not so concerned about the implications of our actions or the things that we do. So long as we are able to get out of things. So in a way, we use God and our relationship with God for our convenience for the things that we need for the things we want to achieve. The longer time implications of those things, hardly do we give it much consideration. So long as what is expedient and what is immediate, we achieve. God is saying we can't continue like that. There has to be a change. There has to be a change in our dealings with God, in our dealings with our fellow men. The second time, Genesis 20, 17 and 18. Let's quickly go through. Sorry, from from verse 1. But we'll just summarize it and then from verse 8. It says, God then went to meet Abimelech in verse 6. And God said unto him in a dream, Yeah, I know that thou didst this in the integrity of thy heart. For I so withheld thee from sinning against me. Therefore suffered I did not to torture. Now therefore restore the man his wife, for he is a prophet. And he shall pray for you, and you shall live. And if you restore her not, you will surely die, you and all your household. May we not walk into the day of trouble. May we not partake in the judgment of the wicked. Abimelech was on his own. <laughs> and Abraham brought Wahala into his household. From the moment she entered his house, everyone of them were under a sentence of death. 
but for the mercy of God. As God said, I was one who held you back. Otherwise, every one of you will have died. What is the relevance of that? As just an exercise, you and I, be careful the company you keep. Be careful of your associations. Jesus said, when the tower of Siloam fell, it fell on both the righteous and the wicked. Brethren, if the righteous will walk disorderly, will partake of the judgment of the wicked. That will not be our portion in the name of Jesus. But that's an aside. So let's go. What is it that took Sarai through this experience? First is that Sarah was able to draw on the grace and the love of God. What is the relevance of that to you and I today is where is the love of God in my heart and in your heart? Where are we in our relationship as Christians today? Are we willing to endure pain? Are we willing to endure suffering? Are we willing to endure betrayal for the sake of Christ? What are you ready to take on for this God that you profess? Number two, she was committed She was committed to the marriage to Abraham. What is the reality of life in Christianity today? Divorces in the church surpassing the world. No more commitment as it were. The relevance of that to you and how committed are you to Christ? How committed are you? To the Lord. Sarah was patient. She was willing to endure. And wait for the manifestation. Of the promise of God. Now that's where I want to link the first and the second. Now between the first. And the second encounter. God had come back to Abraham. And changed their names. And then God had come and told Sarah that according to the appointed time, she would have her own child. Now, what made the second time so painful was that by this time, Abraham already had um, Ishmael. So that in trading her for the second time, uh, he had something else to hold on to. <laughs> you know, both of them, the first time, they didn't have any issue. By now, Abraham had something which made the second time worse and more painful. But before that time, God had visited. And God has renewed and reiterated his promise. And told Abraham that Abraham is not this Ishmael. Since you have entreated me for Ishmael, don't worry, I'll bless him. Don't worry. But my promise to you is going to come from the child that Sarah will give birth to. Don't forget by this time. Abraham was 99 and Sarah was far gone in age. That's why she laughed when God was speaking. <laughs> At this age, everywhere is shriveled. Is this where we... But you see, the thing that we must note there is that God is not limited by time and space. 
Has God given you a word? Has God spoken a word concerning your life? Even though it tarries, wait for it. The vision is for an appointed time. So we see Sarah here. The second time when Abraham did this, she just said, this man again, I'm sure the same things must have gone worse this time around. But now, there was something more. Grace had kicked in. The knowledge of God had come. She had had her own personal experience of this God and she had begun to trust this God at his word. And so she was saying, this time around, I'm sure she mustn't have felt as painful as the first one. On the emotional side, yes. But on the spiritual side, she must have remembered that the God that delivered her from the Pharaoh will deliver her from Abimelech. And so she must have been confident that I don't know how it's going to work out this time, but God told me that I will have a child for this foolish Abraham. (laughs) So, let me ignore him. Let me look unto God. And that is a word for anybody here who is looking to a man or woman for yourself. There are some things that only God can do for you. To put your trust in man will always end in problems. Your confidence must be in the Lord and the Lord alone. Will God use men? Yes. But it will be God working through them as his instruments. Not them being the people working it. So she had had a word from God herself. Sarah must have remembered how God had come through for her before. What is the relevance of that for you and I is that whenever you face challenges, whenever issues come in your life, you must be like David to remember the days of the right time of the Lord. You must begin to recollect the times that God had done it before. God said, the Bible says he lifts up his hand to the heavens. And declares, I'm the Lord, I change not. If he did it before, why do you doubt that he will do it again? And so we find Sarah now, knowing that nothing is going to happen. How, what, I don't know, but I have had this experience before. God had come through. I have no doubt that it will come through. And the Lord will come through for you in the name of Jesus. The second was that she did not fall for the lie of the devil. And that was why you remember the title of his offense. The pain of Sarah. One of the things that the enemy uses to keep the children of God from inheriting their promises or entering their promised land is offenses. And Jesus recognizes that it will always come. And you know the offenses that are more painful are the closer the person is, the more painful it is. But Jesus was saying that irrespective of whatever it is, I expect you to lean on me and look to me. The love that I've shared abroad your heart, that blood and that love is able to take you through no matter what the offense is. And that is what this message is about. And so we see in this story, she decided not to fall for the lie of the devil. And that is one thing you must understand. The enemy always tries to distract us as we are close to receiving the promise. This was a year 
before the promise was to come through. What they had been waiting for for 24 years. Abraham began and did the same thing in the last lap. Brethren, whenever you are close to the end of a matter, you have to be circumspect, you have to be extra careful. Many things will come to derail you. You see, the devil knows God more than you and I and fears God more than you and I. He knows that whatever God has said must surely come to pass as God has said it. So all he can do is only work on you and I to distract us and to derail us. Because if you're on the path to where God has said, as surely as day follows night, what God has said must come to pass. Because as God, once God has said it, it was done. So she overcame what the enemy planted at the time. Because you will expect that this Abraham that has been through all of this, after God had come to him, that by this time next year, you are going, why would he go and give her again to Abimelech? There was something wrong with the man. Now, what do I want to bring out from there? Brethren, you have to deal with character flaws and issues of your life early enough. If we don't deal with it now, it always comes back to haunt us. Abraham was the friend of God. His faith in God and his trust in God, God accounted to him for righteousness. Yet, the selfishness and the self-centeredness he had not dealt with. In spite of all his encounters with God, he still failed. Brethren, self has no respect for anointing. He has no respect for anointing. He can be the most anointed person and still, he will still behave disorderly if you don't deal with the issues of character. Abraham had an issue with self-centeredness and selfishness. All he was concerned was about himself. You and I must kill the self. We must ask God for the grace to crucify the self. We must overcome because whenever the self is strong, you can never enter the fullness of that which God has for you. Because at some point in time, it will come to pray. Because the Bible says, clear, the flesh and the spirit are always at war. The Lord will help us in the name of Jesus. And so, we see that something had changed. In the life of Sarah. Something critical had happened between the first event and the second event. Sarah had come to have an experiential knowledge of God and had come to trust this God that Abraham had known and she herself had chosen to follow what God said. Genesis 21 verse 1 to 3. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham his son in his old age. At the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him. Whom Sarah bare to him Isaac. Now what I want to bring out for you. Which is the significance of the second test. Was that exactly after God had come to renew his promise. The wait of 24 years, Abraham was still willing to throw it away. Because that's what he did by giving her up. Thank God that Sarah stood 
on the word of God. He said, my confidence will not be shaken. Even though this man has given me word to a people, like the God that came for me, through for me before will come through for me again. And therefore, I won't steal. Secondly, she refused to give in to offense. She refused to give in to offense. Romans 2 verse 7. God is calling us to the place where we will honor him above all other things. It says to them who by patient continuance in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. In other words, brethren, you and I must like Sarah through patience and continuance, we must not become weary in well-doing. We must have confidence in the word that God has said. It doesn't matter how long it's taking. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are around us. No matter how what it is, we must learn to stand on that word of God and to wait for it till it comes to pass. But more importantly, offenses will always come. And the question I'm asking us here today is, I don't know the things that you have endured, that you have gone through. But I'm not sure there are many of us that have come anywhere near what Sarah has gone through. Don't forget, she was no longer in the prime of life. She was aged. So there was not a chance that, okay, I could go on to another person. No, 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 everything was gone. It was done. There was no hope. It was only that Abraham. Yet, she don't allow. The reason was this. That second one was the plan of the enemy to derail her from entering and receiving the manifestation of her promise. And what the word is to you today is, please, we can't afford offenses. It's the reality of life. It will happen. And I'm not talking theory. I'm not talking theory. It's what I've lived through. I used to work in a place where I was instrumental in doing a restructuring and everything that got the company to stand and everybody was celebrating me exactly a year to the date they terminated my appointment. And nothing. It's just like, hey, we can't work together. Where do you stand for? We don't stand for. But you see, the grace of God, they can't afford offenses. They can't afford offenses. You are the one that must know what God has spoken concerning your life. You are the one that must know where you are going to say, Allah, don't let them derail me. You are the one that must face the God that you know. But this can't come unless you have an experiential knowledge of this God. Romans 5 5 says, The love of God has been shared abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Only the Holy Spirit can help us to forgive and to love. Have you suffered the pain of hurt, betrayal, relationships, and family, whatever in any area? Today I'm speaking to you. Think on the pain of Sarah. Whatever gave Sarah the grace to be able to come through 
That grace is available to you much more because we have a sure and better word of promise of prophecy. Jesus has come. We have the Holy Spirit. God is speaking to us today. There is so much that God has in store for us. But if we allow offenses, it will derail us. We will not enter into the fullness of that which the Lord has for us. The key is to give it up to Jesus. You need the grace of God to be able to let you go, to let go, so that you may enter into and receive the promise of God for your life. I want you to bow your head. I want you to think. Think on the offenses that you have suffered. The betrayal, the ridicule, the shame, the injury, the pain. Oh, somebody's gone through like that. If they could come through, you too can come through. Are you willing to let the Holy Spirit have it? Jesus is the burden bearer. I want you to hand over that burden to him. Talk to him. Tell Jesus as it is, the way you feel, the pain and everything. I hand it over to him. I remember once where I was working before. I had done so many things and everything and I was supposed to be promoted. I was overdue for promotion. And the MD said he was not ready to buy a car for anybody. So anybody that would be promoted to the level of having a car wasn't going to be promoted. And I was pained. I was offended. When I got home, I cried. But something in me said, I should hand it over to them. I don't know where it came from. And I just prayed. I said, Lord, please. I can't afford to wake up with this pain and this offense. Just take it from me. I wept and I slept off. By the time I woke up, it was gone. It did not take anything away from the pain, from the reality of what happened, but God had come in. The balm of Gilead had come into a switch. Today God is telling you, I don't know, in marriages, in relationships, you might have thought, look, this is beyond salvage. You might have thought this is over. God is still in the business of repair. As many as are willing to yield this matter over to God, the Lord wants to step in. He wants to repair the wound, the hurt, the pain, the betrayal. He wants to soothe you. He wants to restore the joy that he had before to you. See, offenses steal your joy. It's a drain on the life of God inside of you. God wants you to receive his life. He wants his life to fill you. I want you to pray to God. Talk to God. Ask for his help. Ask that that love that you have shared about your heart by the Holy Spirit will kick in. And the grace to let go. Not to rehearse the hurts. The Bible talks about forgetting those things that are behind and pressing on towards the mark of the high calling in Christ. Ask for the grace to let go of the pain, the hurt, and what has happened in the past. Ask for the grace to go forward. In the newness of hope. It says, hope make it not ashamed. It's not about you. It's not about the person. 
It's about the God that you serve and your confidence in his word. Talk to the Lord. Doesn't matter how much, how deep they want, God is able to work them.
I want to pray with you. If you are here today, you are saying, Pastor, my heart has been shut towards God. I've been offended at God. God is the object of my offense. He's the one I'm even offended. Not my spouse. Not my, I'm offended at, at God. But you want to drop down your sword today and make peace with God. Or you used to be saved. You are backsliding. You've gone away from God because your expectations were, you were not met and, and you felt offended. And you're saying, Pastor, pray with me. I want to come back to God. You don't need to come forward. Wherever you are seated, I want to pray with you. That is me, Pastor. Pull up your hand now over your head. God bless you. If I'm not here, pull up your hand well. God bless you, my sister over there. God bless you over there at the back. God bless you. Put up that hand over, over your head. I want to come back to God. I've, I've drawn my sword. I've drawn my sword. God bless you over here. Over here in front. I've drawn my sword with God. You can't fight God. All his ways. God bless you, my brother over there. God bless you over there. All his ways are, God bless you, my sister over there. Put up that hand. All his ways are perfect. He's a God of faithfulness without injustice. He's good, he's upright in all his ways. Who else, Pastor? I want to make peace with God. I want to make peace with God. I want to pray with you. God bless you right there at that corner over there. God bless you over there. At the back. Put up, put, keep the hands up. I want to see. If you have the card, you can put down your hand. It's okay. That is me, Pastor. God bless you. But put up your hand. Put up your hand well over your head. Over your head. If, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you have the card and, and you've, you've put, lifted up your hand, why don't you just say to the Lord, I come to you today. Have mercy upon me. Save me. Receive me. Restore me. Empower me. Father, we pray for everyone that is surrendering to you today. Lord, as we put down our swords, Lord, we shit ourselves and we make peace with you, our maker. Lord, according to your word, receive us, Lord. Everyone that is surrendering to you, receive us today, my Father. Cleanse us totally and change our lives and let your name be glorified. Honor and glory we give unto you, Lord. Honor and glory we give unto you. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen.